You are now listening to the Paper Cuts Comic Podcast with Dan Ryan, Dane DeFalco, and Devin Goldstein. For the best comic podcast with the most personality on the web, it'll always be Paper Cuts. Over to you, Dan. Thanks, announcer guy. This is the Paper Cuts Podcast. I am Dan Ryan. It is issue 49. The next voice you hear is Dean DeFalco. It is. I'm me. Which is awesome. Because if you were someone else, my whole world would just be flipped, turned upside down, and I would have to take a minute and sit right here and wonder how I became the prince of a town Jesus. called Bel Air. Stop. Stop. No? Just, God, you tried hard. You know what? A for effort, man. <laughs> a for effort. So, the thing that happened... Evan is not with us today. Uh, see, here's the thing about nematodes, right? He's of an infestation of nematodes. It uh, it turns out, um, well, that they have crabs. They also have crabs. Herpes and crabs. It's it's double whammy. He's uh, he's really reeling from it. There's warts and and crabs everywhere. It's not good. Uh, I don't know what we're gonna do about that. We're definitely gonna have to get some shampoo, some <laughs> some medication. At, at the very least, shampoo. Yeah, and this is going to hurt his sex life big time, man. You know, like, I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, but, but uh, just herpa crabs are just (laughs) the worst. Herpa crabs. (laughs) Fucking terrible. Oh, God, that's the name of the episode. He's got herpa crabs. He's got herpa crabs. Excellent. So, really, uh, a lot of stuff came out this week. A lot of stuff came out this week. Lots of things, uh... Thankfully, for you, Dean, ended this week. Yeah, you're damn so, right. I know you're excited to talk about the end of the uh, crossover and whatnot. So why don't we uh, why don't we jump right in? What did you read this week, Mister DeFalco? Okay, uh, yeah, let's let's just start with it. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It was actually kind of cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I I read Worlds Unite number twelve. This was in issue fifty two of Mega Man, and. It wasn't that bad. Uh, it was mainly like, oh, Sonic and Mega Man are all charged up with the Chaos Emeralds. They're set to go, and they're going to fight Big Bad Sigma. So as you could have guessed, Sigma mm-hmm. gets his ass handed to him, but it comes with a bit of a twist. Xander Payne has been kind of meddling in the background, messing with things, and he finally gets to the the world drive engine, which is giving Sigma all his power from all these different worlds so xander Payne makes eggman and dr wily change the world drive engine so it listens to them and then he opens up a portal because he puts a gun to both of their heads naturally and then it gets better once mega man and sonic are finished outside and they're done beating the shit out of sigma they realize that the worlds are falling apart and there's not really much they could do about it, but they're still going to try. So they're really trying all these things and it's not working. Goes back over to Xander Payne, still with the gun to the professor's heads and the portal. And Xander Payne's like, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up. Well, you're going to open up a time portal back to when this all started. Back to when Sigma was a shit dick and had this (laughs) whole idea to get into lost hex and fuck everything up. So... They open up the portal for him. He points a gun at the portal at Sigma's head and shoots him right in the fucking forehead. Nice. And that totally resets the entire continuity of all the universes before any of this happened, which ties everything up in a neat bow. Xander Payne turns out to be a little bit of a hero and not too much of a douchebag, and everything goes back to normal. 
But it's weird because <laughs> Xander Payne is still old Xander Payne in the Mega Man universe now with the beard and the wily hair going on and the glasses. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see where that goes because we still have a few more episode uh, issues rather of Mega Man left before it ties up. So if they can give me something to look forward to going into a hiatus, I'll feel the Mega Man hype, man. I need to feel the Mega Man hype. I need that book to keep going. I'm, Ian Flynn needs to end that on a huge cliffhanger. So people are like, we need Mega Man back. We need it back. We need it back next month. So I want that to happen. Although in the annotations on the side of the last page, it said, keep reading Mega Man every month for more adventures. So that leads me to think maybe they pulled back the hiatus. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I haven't seen any anything that says that they've pulled back from that. But I haven't either. Uh, that doesn't mean that they haven't, and I hope that they haven't. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. So because I, I got to be honest, like I this crossover, I was excited for it actually, and it lost me pretty early on. Yeah, like, well, I, I mean, I, I know that you, you had to stay reading it because we, we decided that this was a thing we were doing, but it, it lost me pretty early on, and I've, I really would just like to go back to reading a Mega Man book. Yeah, and I'd like Mega Man to be around, so we'll see what happens. You know, the end of the book tied everything up in a neat bow where every character gets, every main character gets placed back into the universe. We don't know what happened to the Street Fighter, Billy Hatcher, any of those characters, but it is right. what it is. We all assume that they're back and everything's okay because their, their planets weren't really messed up as bad as Mega Man's and Sonic's were, so we see them all get placed back in and everything seems all right, and they all sort of know that something happened, uh, with one of the other characters, but that's really about it. And Worlds Collide, Mega Man was back where he didn't know a damn thing happened. He had sort of like weird acid flashbacks, <laughs> but he didn't know shit. Sonic remembered everything in detail. So this is weird where Mega Man knows that Sonic exists now and that they helped each other. He just doesn't remember how. And the same thing with Sonic, where the worlds are okay and they know something sort of happened. But we don't know what. So it ends off like that, and it's nice. I, I'm happy. It ended good, so I can't say that it was a bad conclusion. It was a good conclusion. I got to see a hole rip through Sigma's chest by a fucking beam cannon that Super Mega Man shot, so it was awesome. Also, Mega Man spirit bombs. They're quite a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Best part of the book was the Mega Man spirit bomb. So, uh, yeah, read it. If you want to read fucking Dragon Ball Z Mega Man spirit bombs, fucking do it, man. It's awesome. It's good. It's a good conclusion. I was happy that it ended off on a good note and tied everything up into a neat bow. So, yeah, that's Mega Man for you. Don't ask me any more about it because I don't ever want to talk about it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's it hasn't done well for them. Um, just like I've looked at some sales numbers and that sort of thing. And the numbers on the book have have certainly not increased like like you would hope they would with this big sort of crossover thing. I mean, that's why these companies do this shit continuously is because crossovers usually sell pretty well. As much as uh, we we might hate them, like the you know the the fanboys, and I I say that as a term of love, I really do. We get a lot more pissed off about these big universe spanning crossovers and shit like that 
but we also have a tendency to forget that we are the minority of the audience. Like the people that do podcasts or comment on web posts or belong to a Facebook group or any of these things, we are not the mainstream. We are passionate and we spend a lot of money and we are really involved, but we make up only a fraction of the audience. So these crossovers still sell or else the companies wouldn't continue to do them. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm sure for any kid reading this book that likes Sonic or Mega Man or any of these other characters, they're going to have a great time with this book. But for me, who is a aged reader and <laughs> a wizened grizzled veteran of, of, the, of the comic book industry of the four color comic industry yeah you know yeah. It, it just it didn't there were some things i had issues with there were a lot of things i had issues with if you listen to previous episodes but <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be a little bit lighter here on the book because it ended well and I, w- I was happy closing the last page and i was like all right i'm good Let's read some more Mega Man. So, again, Mega Man holds a very near and dear place in my heart. And Sonic does, too, to a point, because that was, like, my first video game character I really got to dig into with the the, the loops and the spirals and the Dr. Robotnik when he was an Eggman, and then he changed his name, and now he's the artist formerly known as Dr. Robotnik. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he does some singing on the side. Maybe he does some Purple Rain, or in his case, Orange Rain, or Egg Rain. I don't know. <laughs> it's all a thing. So we'll see what happens. But... Yeah, you know, again, young readers are going to love it because it has their favorite characters all over the place. It's really easy to understand and get a hold of. And it's got a a bunch of these great cameos. But for me, I wanted more out of it. And, like, Dan, I totally agree that it wasn't for me. It was for people who, you know, read Archie on a constant basis and aren't just looking for those nostalgic video game characters, which is what I do. And yeah. again, Ian Flynn does Mega Man pretty well. He holds a good in between. Sonic, not so much. That's for younger readers. But Worlds Collide was definitely a younger reader's book and not for me. So yeah, if, if you know, you're looking for something for your kids that maybe want to get into something, pick up this storyline for him. It's awesome, and I guarantee they'll love it. There's no reason not to. I imagine it's going to read pretty well in a trade as well. Oh yeah, it'll read great like in the, a trade. The trade collecting this, not having to wait you know, a few weeks in between issues, just something you can blow through. And like, you know, when you get to the, the fun thing about these books is the, the tease and then the reveal, right? Like, is that Chun-Li? Is that Chun-Li? Oh shit, it's Chun-Li. Yeah. You That's know, lost a little bit yeah, over my, the, my hype the train, two weeks. It, it derailed because yeah, I, I had to wait you know, that while. Yeah. So reading it through the trade, it's a little bit easier to be like, you know, oh shit, that is Chun-Li. And now you're, you know, hooked for the rest of the thing. So, you know, I, I really doubt anybody was like, oh shit, it's Billy Hatcher. But maybe there is somebody <laughs> that was like, fuck, son, that was my jam back in the day. I, I don't know. Was anyone's jam really Billy Hatcher? <laughs> it could have been somebody's. Maybe. All right. You know, shout out know. to all the Billy Hatcher fans out there if you guys exist. If the three of you based on sales that that game exists. I don't know. He's in, he's adorable, but he's easy to pick on. Yeah, he is. Sorry. No, right. Sorry. That's a, sorry, Billy. Big fan of the show. Billy Hatcher and his giant stupid egg. Anyway, so Mega Man, Worlds Unite, we're all done. Next week, you won't have to talk about it. Isn't that a lovely thing? Yeah. It's very, yeah. That, like, it's it's, it's nice the same feeling. feeling you got after Convergence. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, very nice feeling. What else did you read, though? Because I know that's not the only thing you got to this week. No, yeah. I actually read a new book called Power Up that's by the same people who do Bravest Warriors, um, Adventure Time, 
And I think they've dabbled in a little bit of the regular Sherlock comic book as well. It's Matt Cummings and Kath Lee. Uh, okay. And it's it's basically a Sailor Moon spoof, and it's really good. Nice. It's really good. Uh, unfortunately, it's a six-issue miniseries, but I've had a lot of fun reading it. It's about a... It follows a girl named Amy, spelled I-E at the end, not with a Y. So you right. know she's fucking cool. But uh, she works at a pet store, and all of a sudden, one day, she gets these powers from the depths of the stars, and she's fighting crazy shadow guys and shoot suits and fish that blow up and stuff. But it, it's it's crazy, but it works. And she has these two, well, three co co heroes, I guess you'd call them, where it's this one dude who got the powers. And he's in the Sailor Moon dress. He's the only one who gets the frilly dress. And it's fantastic because he's a construction nice. worker. So nice. you can guess how it looks on him. It looks great, actually. It's, it's really funny. And there's another one who she gets the superpowers of, like, super strength and stuff. So she's ripping stop signs out of the ground and batting away these bad guys and stuff. And the girl Amy, we really don't know her powers yet. Like, she has sparkly hands so far. That's all we know. And she has the ability to rapidly heal, like, Wolverine. But she has a pet fish named Silas who turns into a mini laser whale when threatened. And it's awesome. <laughs> it's great. I love it. It's, it's, it's a fun book. It's really colorful. It has like a Steven Universe sort of um, color scheme to it. So it's like these really, really heavy pastels, um, bright colors, a lot of uh, dark contrast to it in the background a lot of the time. So it's it's a really, really eye-catching book, and I've had a lot of fun reading it because it's very funny as well, and it knows that it's funny. It knows what it's doing, so it's easy for it to make fun of itself. I have a lot of credit to these two guys, who two people who are writing the book uh, I, and doing the art for it. I really enjoy it, and I, I hope maybe it makes it past a miniseries because while the Steven Universe stuff, regular show, Adventure Time, Bravest Warriors, they're all great. They're based on something. This isn't based on anything. This is a new IP. So I kind of would almost hope that maybe Adventure Time takes a break for a little while and maybe this gets a bit of the spotlight. I Maybe Adventure Time people are going to flame the fuck out of me for that. But that's how <laughs> I feel. Like I, I like new IPs that are just for comics. You know, while Adventure Time's cool and all, it's not doing anything to add to the show because they've already said that the comic book has a uh, separate canon to the show, so nothing that happens in the comic comic book is directly related to the show, which kind of bums me out. Uh, but you know, this this is its own story, so whatever happens happens, and it makes me happy that way. And I I think that this could be something after six issues, but I guess we'll see. I'm really having a good time reading it. It's two issues in. Check it out. They're a little expensive. They're three ninety nine a piece, you know, compared to the two ninety nine or something that uh, you can normally buy Boom Comics for. But I think it was worth it. And I had a lot of fun reading it, and I think everyone should read it because it's cool. And if you don't, you're not my friend. <laughs> I'm serious. Fair, I mean, you just just putting it down like that. Yeah. I mean, that's hardcore. Yeah. I liked no, it. It was good, man. Boom has been doing some really, really interesting work in the last, I don't know, maybe year or so. Yeah. They've really come on as a company and have really started to to churn out like between between boom and the uh boom box imprint that they have oh i'm sorry this is, is this is boom box by the way oh okay so between their regular stuff and the boom box stuff that is coming out 
they've been putting out just some really interesting books and you know one of my favorite books that's out right now lumberjanes is out through them and you know it's it's a really it's a really great book and they're they're doing some stuff like it's i find it interesting that we're we're kind of existing now in a place where you look at things like lumberjanes or you look at things like these adventure time books and the you know the the cartoon influence books or or something like kaiju max and they're not coming out from just image they're coming out from a bunch of different places so you're you're starting to get a more uh varied voice in the marketplace which is pretty cool to see well you know what i think helps is the digital market a bit because now you don't have to pay to get these into the stores and stuff you know you, you it's not like you have to ship these everywhere People can read them right on their computers and stuff, and if they do like them at that point and they want to add them to their pull list, they can get them into the stores, and then it is really good publicity for these smaller publishers. I mean, five, six years ago, I, I never heard of Boom. I never heard of Oni, Avatar. Right. Like I, And those companies weren't doing anything. They were really, what, like maybe, I think Boom was doing maybe Garfield or they had some weird books, whatever. And um, I certainly wasn't reading anything from them. Yeah, and, and the thing was, like, back then, they were trying to do, like, their own stuff, but they couldn't get a schedule down. They weren't releasing stuff on an often enough basis for anyone to really care. So now you have these books that are coming out every month, especially from a company like Boom, you know, where you're, you're getting constant issues of Adventure Time, constant issues of Regular Show, constant issues of Steven Universe now. Uh, this is going to be a thing for a little while. So it's... It's good to see that there's stuff out there more than just the superhero stuff that we've had for so long. Again, I love my Superman. I love my Green Lantern. I got a fucking tattoo of Green Lantern on me. That's how much <laughs> I love him. But it's good to see that there's other stuff out there and stuff that I can read. Because, you know, if I walked into a comic store, I probably would have never seen this. Never, ever. Yeah, I, the, I fully embrace our, our new digital overlords. I am so happy to not have physical copies of of this stuff any longer. Like I one of the last times I moved, I gave away most of the most of the actual physical comics that I had and am, you know, almost a hundred percent digital at this point. And I just I prefer it so much more. So much more. Oh yeah, dude, I understand. You know, and Evan would care to disagree with us. You know, he does like having it in his hands. And I do know people like that. Uh, our good friend, Chris Randazzo of the Stone Age Gamer fame does like to have the comics physically in his hand. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you can go to your comic book store and pick up the stuff. And if you do like it that way and you want to see Power Up, ask for Power Up in the store, have them bring it in for you, and they'll be happy to do it m most of the time. <laughs> I, I can't, you know, <laughs> vouch for all of your comic distributors out there. But most of the time, they'll be happy to get the comic in as long as you pay for the comic book. So, you know, with that, if you want to read this book, go to your comic book shop, read it, get on, on uh, get it on Comixology. We'll have a, it in the show notes, and you can check it out. It's a really cool book. And, yeah, digital stuff is awesome, man. That's how I pick up my stuff. I know that's how you pick up your stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's a two-to-one thing right now. Fuck you, Evan. Yeah, Herpa Krabs. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway. One more, right? <laughs> One more book. Yeah, you I, got? Do, I do have one more. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, guys. I had to read the next issue of Invader Zim. Normally, we don't do a one and two type issue where we keep following up constantly. But Invader Zim was so good last time. I enjoyed it. It was really funny, and it gets funnier. 
It's way more funny now. If you guys were following the show uh, way back when, there was, uh, I think, a couple episodes where a alien came down called Tack, who is the better version of Zim, a, a female counterpart to him who is smarter in every way, has a better ship, her gur is better, so there's that. Yeah, everything about Tack was better. Yes, but they end up defeating uh, Tack, and Dib gets her ship. And that is how Dib goes into the galaxy to follow Zim in the last issue. Now, he did remajigger it so that he can fly in it and everything. Remajigger? Remajigger, because why not? I'm not going to say reutilized it. Remajigger is a better word. That's, no, that's, that's fine. I that's just... paper cuts talk for you, man. But yeah, he, he reutilized the ship to fly under his commands. However, it still has tax personality in it. So the computer doesn't like Dib. Even though it has to listen to him, it doesn't mm -hmm. like him. And it hounds him every part of the way. Like, um, uh, what was one part? Where he's staring out into the galaxy and he's like, this is beautiful. And she says, it is. And your face is stupid. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I like it. It's funny. This is a witty computer. And through the whole comic book, it's just hounding him. And it's begrudgingly doing what it, he says. So it's great. Now, Zim's trying to get to this thing called, like, the Galaxy Array or something like that. I, I don't remember. But uh, what this Galaxy Array does is it's supposed to be some secret weapon of ultimate proportions. So they finally get there after lots of traveling through rest stops and whatnot. And it's, it's really weird. It's fucking bizarre. But read it. You'll understand. It's great. There's a giant donut. There's a giant black hole filled donut i think it's called it's ridiculous and they all buy them and then zim eats them all and he gets really sick and vomits out the window <laughs> because it's awesome but they finally get to this galaxy array thing and zim's one purpose for this it's not a laser it's not anything it's a gigantic satellite by the way spoilers spoilers right now it's coming it's a you're, giant you're satellite you're supposed to say spoilers before you say the spoiler well yeah but that that's not the that's not the spoiler i just said oh, it's okay. a giant satellite so, again, spoilers, it's a giant satellite that can broadcast any video that you want to anywhere in the galaxy. It'll interrupt all broadcasts everywhere and put what you're putting on the air right now. So, Dim, uh, Dim, Zim has a video, a copy of uh, Dib's workout routine from the <laughs> first episode where he's like doing the whole you're the best around thing, fat and flubby, uh -huh. and he's poking himself. He's like, I don't want to be fat. I don't want to. <laughs> so it makes for a really, really funny thing. And then you find out that Zim has already broadcasted to the entire galaxy. And Dib's just like, I, I want to go home now. I'm, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And Zim's like, yes, I have succeeded. Um, <laughs> Dib, can I get a ride back? And <laughs> Dib's like, no, no, you can't. And that that's how it ends. It's just to be continued. So I'm I'm super looking forward to this, man. It's super funny. I love it. Jonan Vasquez, I'm glad you're back doing things. It makes me happy. I want to see more. I want to see a lot more. I'm shaking my fist right now because I'm so excited. Give me more Zim. Give me much more Zim. I, I, oh God, I loved this show so much. It was such a great show. And it never should have been on Nickelodeon because they were never going to give it the, the, the stuff that it needed 
to be successful. Like it should still be on the fucking Aqua Teen Hunger Force is still on the air. And I love Aqua Teen Hunger Force, but we're like 15 seasons into Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And a movie. Don't forget there was a and movie. And a movie. That like the joke was over a while ago. It's still kind of funny, but it was over a long time ago. But Zim got like, what, two seasons? Three, two and a half? No, two and a half, I think. And they cut it off. And it wasn't yeah, fair. Yeah, they cut it off like halfway through. And the DVD releases are really weird the way that they're broken down. And I was just... It's so good. It's so funny. This definitely should have been like one of those right before Adult Swim Cartoon Network shows that has been seeming to break out lately. Like uh, when regular show first came out, it was like 730, 8 o'clock. So it was yeah. getting towards the later end of the spectrum. And you watch that and that show's fucking trippy, man. There's a whole episode where they take, I'm going to use, air quotes, drugs, not drugs, but something like drugs. And Mississippi Queen comes on and it's just a five minute sequence of them on like weird 70s, like trippy, what do you call it? Like pains of like red and yellow mixing and stuff. <laughs> it is weird, but that's that's an adult thing to do. That is not what kids understand. Kids don't no. watch that show. Or I hope no. they don't. Because, God, if my five-year-old was watching that, I'd be like, no, you turn that off. That is not for you. That is for me. You watch something else. <laughs> that is for me, God damn it. You go watch... SpongeBob. Fucking, oh, no, even worse. Well, it's it's Fuck it's pretty SpongeBob. mindless now. I don't... SpongeBob it's isn't getting It's the worst. Anymore. It's the worst. Yeah. It used to be good. Go watch Ninja Turtles. Oh, man, Ninja Turtles, yeah. Yeah, let's not that's talk about that. That's for you and me. And that is, that, that's for everybody. Yeah, it is. It's like the Krusty Krab pizza. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, so, again, check out Zim, the comic. It's great. If you want to see stuff like Zim, just a quick side note, check out Lenore. A lot darker, but uh, Roman... Also really good. Yeah, Roman Dirge is amazing as a writer and and i believe he was also the artist maybe i'm not 100 yeah. percent, but yeah same sort of style of art a little bit like they kind of um go hand in hand i believe roman dirge also did some stuff in zim a little bit they did and um it, the, that was a book that came out from uh slave labor graphics which uh also put out Yonan Vasquez's uh, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Yeah, so there, which was really great. There, none of that stuff really comes out <clears throat> often anymore. I think you will see Lenore come out every once in a while as like a hardcover collection or whatever. But if you can find single issues, like I was in St. Mark's Comics a couple years back. Shout out to St. Mark's, awesome comic book store. Little hole in the wall, but I love it. And um, I, I picked out a a whole bunch of uh, single issues of Lenore. And man, it was good. It's it's a really funny, crazy book, but it's got that same sort of Zim humor to it. So if you ever get a chance, pick that up too. Definitely worth it if you want to see more Zim-esque stuff and you can't wait till the next issue. Awesome. I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of this kind of, this place that we are now in comic books where everything that's coming out from the big two is so dark currently. Um, minus the last book that I'm going to talk about today, even though it is still <laughs> kind of dark, but it like it's in such a dark place, right? Like Marvel has Secret Wars going on, and DC just ended their universe with Convergence, and they have a thing going on in Justice League dark with side wars, the man. Dark Side War, yeah. and everything is just big and bombastic, fucking 
death and crazy shit. It is pretty crazy. And it's fun. You know, I, I love the superheroes as much as anybody, but it's uh, it's really nice to be in a place where we can say, I'm going to read Invader Zim this week because I need something a little lighter. Or, you know, even the new Archie book that's out that I didn't particularly care for. I love that it's not just capes right now. That Jughead variant, though. Did you see the Jughead variant? The Twilight Zone one? I did not. It's uh, you remember that episode where William Shatner's talking to the um, the the fucking fortune teller box thing with his girlfriend. Yeah. It's huh. that, and it's Jughead saying, "Should I have another burger?" and putting a quarter in, and it's fan fucking tastic. <laughs> I want that variant just for that. I will rip the front page off and frame it because it's great, and I love it. Shout out to Archie, you did something right this week. You did two <sighs> things right this week, actually. So props to you guys. <laughs> you had a great variant cover, and you ended my nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Archie. I very much appreciate it. All right, so I digress. Dan, what did you read this week? Oh, three Secret Wars books. Three Secret Wars tie-ins because uh, no main issue of Secret Wars this week. The uh, first one was Secret Wars Journal, number four. Uh, Journal and Battle World are very similar books in that they are two little glimpses or two little peaks into the Secret Wars universe and to these different sections of the the patchwork battle world. Uh, this one, the first story is... Uh, now my computer is not responding. There we go. The first one is called Primary Function. It's written by Mike Benson with art by Laura Braga. And it was a Punisher, uh, but a Punisher who is maybe sort of kind of supposed to be Moon Knight at the same time. Punisher Knight? Punisher Knight, kind of. Moonisher. Moonisher. <laughs> I like it. Moonisher has herpet crabs. Oh, God. Um, uh, with the two of them are stationed out on the shield, right? So out on the big wall where the the separation between like the outlands of Battleworld where the Ultrons are and where all the Marvel zombies are and all the bad shit is and the S.H.I.E.L.D. being kind of like the the big prison that they send. Iron Fist and Munisher are up on the wall and Iron Fist is getting a, a talking to from Mr. Castle and saying, you know, we're up on this wall and you you defected from where you were, but up here you can never leave your post. This is the most important fucking thing you will ever do uh, kind of speech. And as they are going through this this whole talk, they see an Ultron robot show up. He's kind of crawling along the ground like a little centipede Ultron looking thing. And okay. Frank Castle jumps down and Iron Fist just kind of looks at him and says, uh, I thought we weren't ever supposed to leave our post. But okay, I guess we are. And they <laughs> they jump down and they they fight this Ultron uh, robot. And Punisher realizes that there's something wrong with it because it he says it looks like a kit car. So it looks really good on the outside, but on the inside, it is nothing like what an Ultron is supposed to be. Because even in the Battle World universe, the Ultrons are still really fucking scary to everyone else. Right. So they. They blow him up. Uh, Iron Fist basically just punches it really hard. And they notice that there's a hole in the ground. So down into the hole they go. 
uh, further abandoning their post to where they come across Mole Man and a bunch of Moloids that are making Ultron robots. What the fuck? What is going on? I, I don't know. <laughs> so, so, like, they go down there and uh, this version of Mole Man happens to be the one that came from Technopolis, which is the Battleworld segment ruled by Baron Tony Stark. And he says, you know, Baron Stark didn't appreciate my genius and how we were going to make the world uh, better and perfect through technology. So I burrowed my way out here and have been fixing these Ultron robots as I have found them to be part of my my peacekeeping force, my new world order uh, ideal that he is going for. And uh, Punisher's like, dude, seriously, these are Ultron robots. What the fuck are you doing? They're going to destroy. And just like in typical comic book fashion, as soon as Punisher says they're going to destroy, the Ultron robots turn on and say, destroy, destroy. Very good, Dean. They start fighting them, Iron Fist punches some more robots, and there's a big explosion, and they beat the, you know, the good guys win. There's a bunch of really nice action scenes, like Laura Braga's artwork in this was really, really good. I really liked it. The coloring was really good as well. They they did a really good job. It, it almost looks like... um. The the Punisher War Journal book that came out a few years ago that had Ariel Olivetti doing the artwork. It was a very a very different looking Punisher book. Okay. This looks very similar to that with just really crazy bright colors and interesting looking artwork. It's it was really good. I liked it. So they they have the fight, um, you know, and then the, the little story ends with. Punisher and Iron Fist back up on top of the wall saying, you know, nothing gets in, nothing gets out, nothing gets over, and nothing gets under, no one leaves. And we're left with the cliffhanger of a little Ultron robot popping up out of the ground again. So whether or not, yeah, I know, whether or not that will be picked up on again or not, uh, that's really the only frustrating thing that I've found so far with a lot of these Secret Wars tie-ins book or tie-in books is that they give you this thing and it's pretty cool and you know i could maybe read a couple more little pieces about this but who knows if it's gonna happen again yeah they seem to be going on uh you know like they have a few of these in the canister and they're like well if this one works we'll make another issue or if it doesn't work we'll use this other story that we have Mm -hmm. and you know we'll see where it goes and I get it. It's a good way to work things out, but there are going to be some people who like what you're writing, and it sucks when you don't have it planned to a point where some of these things aren't going to see a conclusion. They they just are what they are now. Yeah, and like this one in particular was a little bit more open-ended than the other half of this book, which was a story called Another Last Stand, uh, written by Cena Grace, who is more or mostly well-known from working with Robert Kirkman on The Walking Dead and Ken Lashley, who's been an artist for ever and ever, I think, at this point. I, I can't really remember a time when Ken Lashley was not doing Marvel work. And he's super solid. Like, it's it's nothing 
it's nothing where you look at the book and you're like, oh, that's absolutely a Ken Lashley book. You know, he doesn't have such a distinctive style, but what he does have is a remarkable consistency and has just done some really great work. This this book was no different. The story takes place in the Sentinel territories with, uh, a, with a, a mutant who I don't really remember. Um, I thought it was Bishop at first and I got kind of excited, but it's, it's Kyle Janadu or Jinadu. You got me, man. I don't know who the yeah, fuck that I, is. I haven't read X-Men books in, in a very, very long time. So I don't, I don't really remember who this guy is. I, I think I've seen it before. Like it sounds somewhat familiar, but really not, not a huge uh, deal as to what his name is. Uh, he shows up at this this blonde lady's house. He says, you know, I'm a friend of Kitty Pride's and, uh, you know, you know me. And he calls this blonde lady Psylocke and she looks at him and she's, what the fuck are you? Get inside, asshole. What are you doing? And he says, look, you know, you faked your death. You psychically mind wiped everybody in your entire city block. And that was pretty cool. But I need your help. I need to break into the, the mutant death camps and I need to get uh, North Star out. I love him. We are meant to be together. I need your help. You're the only one who can help me. And she's like, look, nah, dude, I, I spent a lot of time hiding. I don't want to die. So, uh, you know, I'm blonde now and I'm married and fuck off out of here. Like, I, I just want to live my life. You can imagine how well that works out. There's a shot of, of her in bed with her husband, um, and in a, in a sort of heartbreaking scene, she looks at him and says, forget. And her husband's eyes open up, and they go all pink and glazed over, and she has just erased this guy's happy life, which is really fucking kind of sad. That is you know? sad, like, man. What the fuck? Like, so dude's just going to wake up tomorrow... And probably be really out of sorts, I would imagine. He's going to wake up and be like, hmm, I want hmm. pancakes. What the, the fuck is going on? Why am I here? Why have I been here? Who oh, is this woman man. in these pictures? That's, what is my life? That sucks. Silas yeah. a bitch. What are, you know? But, so anyway, she, uh, she goes to help Kyle on his suicide mission to get uh, North Star out of this death camp. And again, as you can imagine, pretty predictable. They're not doing a lot of uh, really in-depth storytelling with a lot of these tie-in issues. They fight. Psylocke shows up. She makes the ultimate sacrifice. Kyle and Northstar get out of the prison because they're in love, and that's awesome. And she says, you know, go live your life. I, you made me realize that my life had been a lie, and my life actually was over a long time ago. Which is kind of a nice way to put it, you know, like she realizes her mistake and realizes that she should have fought for what she believed in. And, you know, she can give these two guys a chance at, at life and love and happiness. And that's pretty cool. So the, like I said, the artwork was really good. The, the story it's over. There's nothing more that's going to come from this. Psylocke looked pretty badass. It was pretty good. If you are enjoying the secret wars stuff, uh, pick this book up. If you are not enjoying the Secret Wars stuff, this isn't going to be the one to change your mind. Yeah, so. I mean, these have been 
pretty evenly divided from other opinions I've got from people. Either they really like them or they don't like them on at all, depending on which ones they've read, too. You know, some people, mm -hmm. like, the Battle World stuff has been pretty cool. I've... I've actually picked up one or two of those, and they've been pretty good. The Thor stuff has been kind of cool, but there's other ones that I was just like, I, I, no, sorry, not feeling yeah. it. Now, the next one I would suggest everybody pick up, uh, even though I really don't like the artwork at all, and I'm really surprised at how much I like this book because... The original miniseries was cool, and I did like it, but then when they were like, yeah, we're going to bring it back for Secret Wars, and it's probably going to be an ongoing thing after Secret Wars was over, I was like, ah, oh, man, I don't, I don't know, but, but Spider-Verse has been really good so far. They're up to the fourth issue of this little miniseries uh, crossover, and the it, it's re being written by Mike Costa, who's doing a really good job writing it, and I believe that they have announced that Spider-Verse is going to be an ongoing and he will be the writer. The art is Andre Arujo and it's not, it's not bad artwork. It's not right for this type of book though. I don't think anyway, some people may disagree. Some people may really like it, but what we start off this book with uh, Spider-Gwen in a graveyard talking to Peter Parker. Now, Peter Parker is supposed to have been dead in this part of the universe. He obviously has not been, he has been in hiding. Um, as they are talking, Venom shows up out of the woods, but it's, it's not the Venom that we are currently accustomed to with Flash Thompson and being Agent Venom and being a superhero, this is Old school, original, giant Eddie, Eddie Brock. Brock. Yeah, yeah, huge. Like, like Brock Lesnar should be playing this sort of Venom in the movie, big kind of Venom, which is my favorite Venom with the big long tongue. And Dude, that's the way Venom should be. Like, I like. Don't get me wrong. I do like Flash and, Thompson. At, uh, yeah, I think it's at, very cool. I I like the Flash Thompson Venom stuff, and see, normally, and this makes me, I guess, a little bit of a hypocrite because normally. One of my biggest things is don't don't fuck around with established characters. Create something new. You know, like Flash Thompson, you want to make him a superhero? You want to give him this power set? That's fine. Give him a new thing. Even if it's a symbiote, give him a new a piece new of symbiote. the symbiote. But Not it, Venom, but... It was a good passing of the torch. And but they, no, it worked. Yeah. yeah. It worked, and, you know, in, in that instance, I, I do really like it. I think the Flash Thompson Venom stuff is cool. But I do love seeing just the old Todd McFarlane-style giant Venom with the crazy tongue and the crazy eyes on the mask. So, anyway, Venom attacks. Uh, Spider-Gwen is has to save Peter Parker because in this universe, uh, Peter has no powers. He is just a human. She kicks a tree into Venom's face, which is pretty badass, and knocks him down, and you kind of, you kind of get a sense of the scale of Venom, and it's this is where the artwork starts to have a problem because it's kind of ugly. Oh, it like the faces are just kind of ugly. Like it, not this this artwork would work so much better 
for a crime book than it would for a superhero book. And the proportions and shit are a little out of whack because there's one panel in particular after Venom gets kicked or after Spider-Gwen kicks the tree into Venom. This is a full-grown tree, right? We know it's a full-grown tree because we know visual representations of trees that we have seen when they are meant to be full-grown trees. They're big and leafy up at the top and, you know, they look like a giant fucking tree. Looking at this picture... Venom is almost as tall as this tree. Wow, Venom Venom got tall. Yeah. He's almost as tall as the tree. He is about two times as wide as the tree, and Spider-Gwen and Peter are swinging up out of the panel, and they are nowhere near high enough. Like, it, it's just, it just really, it, it just doesn't work. It's not great. Anyway, they continue on with the story. Uh, Gwen realizes that Peter doesn't have powers anymore. Uh, Peter says, you know, I went underground. He continues to explain his life. You know, I was hiding from Norman Osborn, all this shit. Venom attacks again. Uh, And then we cut into the rest of the Spider-Verse team talking to uh, Norman Osborn's scientists. And there's a Spider-Girl... There is the Indian Spider-Man, there is the British Spider-Man, and there is Peter Porker, the Incredible Spider-Ham, which is fucking awesome that he is just in a regular book. It's great. It's something. (laughs) No, it's awesome. He goes up and uh, goes to eat with uh, the Uh, Spider-Girl. They have a buffet at the laboratory, and he, uh, he tells her this story that he saw Norman one day in his uh, Caesar's Palace chair wearing a crown, um, which seems kind of weird, but she freaks out and says, you know, show me. Uh, So they go to take a look of it. We see a couple more scenes of Spider-Gwen fighting Venom. She hits him with uh, a parking meter. That's got to hurt. You you would imagine. Um, So it's pretty badass, but obviously doesn't do enough to him. They end up going into a guitar store. Um, because if this Venom is anything like other Venoms, then sound is one of the things that will defeat Venom. Uh, there's a little, a cute little panel where as she is adjusting the volume knobs on the amplifier for the guitar, does it, it says, go to 11? It, it does go to 11 yes. and it says volume level, you better run, which <laughs> isn't that cute. But yes, no, it does definitely, it does definitely go to 11. Uh, she hits a big power cord, knocks the symbiote off of uh, Eddie Brock. Peter punches him in the face, and that's kind of the end of that. We cut back to the scientists. Uh, they see a picture of Peter up on top of either the George Washington Bridge or just uh, pick a bridge coming into New York. It doesn't really matter. Uh, with a sign that says, Norman, we need to talk. They... Norman freaks out. They call everybody up to uh, to go look at this Caesar's Palace chair. Norman goes down and finds the Sinister Six, so Craven and the Vulture and uh, Sandman and, and all those guys, they have to go kill a spider. They see the this big chair that looks almost like Cerebro sitting there, uh, which allows Norman to tie into the web, which is what connects all the different spider characters together so across all their different... Yeah. 
pretty much. Uh, connects all them across the different universes. And the last panel, a Thor shows up and says, step away from that machine immediately. And you're oh. like, all right, cool. I really like, I want to, I really like this book. I want to love this book. It's just the artwork that is just not great. So, it's not, it's not the worst, you know, like I've, I've seen much, much worse, but Spider-Man should have a much more fluid and much more uh, loose style of artwork. Well, yeah, I it's, feel it's okay. Yeah, should I, be I more mean, flowy. Yeah, no, I, I you know, well, yeah, it's more fluid. Yeah, and this is just very rigid and very heavy. Yeah, I, so. I got you. It's probably not, especially when you have a symbiote in there. That would make for a very weird sort of book. Yeah, but but I mean, overall, good. Is is this taking place outside of all the Secret War stuff? Nope. Nope. This is one of the battle worlds. I I I I don't I don't I don't know what why I I can't I can't. What the one thing that Marvel of all the Secret Wars stuff that I've read over these last couple of months. The one thing they have not done a good enough job explaining, I don't think, is that in each of these different little patchwork worlds, there exists the possibility for every hero you know to be there. So if there are 50 different patchworks, uh, or 50 different pieces making up this patchwork, there is the potential for there to be 50 different Spider-Men. Yeah, I, I mean, it, the thing was, there, were, there was a Spider-Verse leading up to this, and it's just, it's sort of confusing to see how this tied into it and all. I don't, I don't know. I well, mean, yeah, I, I, I kind of want to go back and read it now. Well, and that's somewhat of the other problem, is that so many of these Secret Wars tie-ins have been callbacks to old marvel crossovers you have secret wars or you have a civil war house of m uh age of ultron stuff that has happened you know somewhat recently stuff that happened 10 15 years ago and this spider-verse one is also a callback to a crossover in the marvel universe that happened last year and that's the i think that's the issue with that one is that the actual crossover in the regular 616 Marvel Universe stuff that we were also familiar with happened so recently, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around where this one takes place. Because you're right, is this just a continuation of, you know, we talked about it on the show a couple months ago, um, you know, where Supiderman, the Japanese live-action TV show Spider-Man showed up and Leopardon with the big fucking robot, and it's like, what, this is in here? Fucking awesome. You know, but then you have the Secret Wars version, and it's it's a little weird. It's a little it's a little confusing. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what th this coming to a head and a conclusion because I want to see how they reset all this too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. There's they have a lot of work to get wrapped up here before all this new stuff starts in October because that's from the last thing I saw, like all new, all different Avengers and all the Inhumans books and whatnot, and just everything that they're relaunching is supposed to hit in October, so we've only got, like, five weeks left, which isn't... They're not close yet, but... Yeah, but, I mean, Marvel does work when it comes to, like, putting out crap every week. They'll do they it. Do. They, they've done it before. They do. 
So last book that I want to talk about, also a Secret Wars book, has been by far my favorite Secret Wars tie-in, has absolutely zero impact on the overall story, but that is Howard the Human. Howard the Human, which is written by Scotty Young and drawn by Jim Mahfood. So right away, I was like, yep, this is a book that I'm going to need because Jim Mahfood is fucking amazing and Scotty Young is really great too. Howard the Duck, as we know, is a duck in a world of humans. As you can imagine from the title, Howard the Human is a human in a world of animals. It starts off at a place called Connor's Pub. And Howard the Human is speaking. This whole book is written in a very over-the-top film noir style of, you know, it was night. It was a black night. It was raining. The dame walked into the place. You know, like that kind of just old, ridiculous, what we think of, of just almost a parody at this point of old crime stories. Howard is in this bar. He is talking to the bartender. He's saying, you know, one thing that I would kill for is an egg. It's all I want. I just want to wake up to sunny side eggs. And, but I can't. They're outlawed in this city. And as long as I live in this city, I'm never going to get it. And then you flip to the next page. You know, he's, as long as I live in this city, new quack city. It's full of animals. Oh, God. Right? Stop. She's fucking fantastic. And, you know, he's talking to the bartender, and he says, another one, Kurt. And as I was reading the page, it, it said, another one, Kurt. And the bar was called Connors. I said, please let there be a lizard standing behind the bar. You're damn right there was. Being the bartender. And you're goddamn right. Kurt Connors, the lizard, with the purple pants and everything, just a bartender at a pub in this fucking weird world and uh they start going back and forth and it just gets into this really ridiculous crime story of howard the duck was on a case or howard the human was on a case and he was hired by the black cat who was an actual black cat cat yeah to fucking to track down this possum right and he was going to get paid a lot of money by the black cat to track down this possum. And the reason that he needed the money was because he had to give it to the vulture who is a vulture, but standing on two legs and with guns and like big fucking gold necklaces and shit. <laughs> and like, he explains the story. And he, you know, he's like, let me tell you the story about how the fucking day that I've had and why you can't have your money. And he just goes into this this long fucking story that starts at 7.30 in the morning. He goes and he finds, like, these two police officers who were dogs uh, give him a tip about the possum that he was looking for. He pays them off. He bribes the police officers with a, with a, a bag of, of dog bones. And what I, love, what I love about reading Jim Mahfood comics is that he puts so much stuff into every panel and into everything he does. There's always little in-jokes and just weird little things. And the bag of dog bones that he gives to the police officers says bone thugs are yummy. Stop. 
And I was like, it's fucking Bone Thugs and Harmony joke in a comic book in 2015. That's amazing. Right? So he goes back and he, you know, he, he's looking at the possum and the possum's there and there's blood on the ground and uh, <laughs> Tombs, the, the vulture, has possibly my favorite thing that I've read so far in comics this year. Uh, the vulture yells at Howard the Human, I don't want to hear your Raymond Chandler novel of the day, Howie. I just want to hear about your money and how it's going to be my money. To which Howard the Human replies, you got no love for storytelling? Fine. Your loss. I'll give you more steak and less peas. <laughs> wow. That's fucking great. That's awesome. So they continue on with the story. Uh, we, we finally meet the black cat who is indeed a cat. Uh, he goes and, and tells, tells her that, you know, the possum that he found was dead. Uh, you know, she starts freaking out, says you need to find out who the hell did this. Uh, we cut back to the vulture and his gang starting to get really into the story and getting pissed off at each other when they interrupt Howard the Human. Uh, he goes to see an old friend, uh, a lawyer in Hen's Kitchen, uh, Mouse Murdoch. Mouse Murdoch is a blind... I can't. A blind mice. He's a a blind mouse. He's a blind mouse. Right. There's not three of them. There's There's one. one. There's one, one blind mouse in, in Hen's Kitchen. And, uh, he, he goes to talk to him and, uh, Dare Mouse, I guess we're calling him helps him uh wilson fisk shows up he's a big uh he's a big gorilla and they start fighting a bunch of smaller gorillas in red ninja costumes because they're the hand and they're jumping down and it's uh it's pretty fucking ridiculous matt murdoch kicks everybody's ass because that's what daredevil mouse would do um he runs off uh howard the human runs off he gets chased by the cops, goes to the bar. Turns out that was his plan the whole time because Black Cat walks in and the vulture and his people are there. And then the cops show up and they arrest everybody. While they, while they are getting arrested, one of the vultures, one of the birds in his gang lays an egg. Howard freaks out and brings out his, uh, his hostage, or not his hostage, but brings out his accomplice in this whole whole story which was the possum that was dead earlier it turns out he wasn't dead he was playing possum i i can't i just so many just uh <laughs> so so yeah he was he was playing possum and uh black cat and the vulture get arrested so howard the human doesn't have to pay anybody uh any money which is great and then it ends with uh, with Howard taking the possum hostage so that he can leave with the egg. And he says, I'm leaving here with the egg or Pete won't be playing possum ever again. And that's where it ends. You know what? <laughs> Book of the week right there, guys. It was fucking, it's one of the best things I've read in a very long time. Jim Mahfood is so incredible. Scotty Young is great. The... Everything about this book was fucking perfect. It was just goddamn perfect. It, it, I, just, just go buy it. Just go buy it. It's, it's insane. It, it's, it's worth, it's worth everything. It's, it's worth every penny.
agreed. It sounds it sounds fantastic. I held off because I had other stuff to read, but Dan yeah. has uh, been picking up the Secret War Slack, and that definitely sounds like a nice, fun one for everyone. So check it out, man. Check it out. The Marvel does have a bit of a uh, different swing on things. They go from dark to funny back and forth. You know, uh, Squirrel yeah. Girl's funny, too. So, yeah, check out some of those books. Guaranteed you'll like them. Even Miss Marvel is a really funny book with the, uh, the younger it's, girl it's that they really got going on. It's a really good book. So, with Kamala Khan, yes. it's it's a very good book, and Marvel has done a really good job over the last couple of years of having guys like Jim Mahfoud come in because he did a book with uh, Bendis a few years ago called Waha, and it was just a bunch of weird, like little one or two page stories that were very similar to what Mahfoud did when he started working in comics, which was he did this these mini comics and eventually made it into a thing uh, called 40 ounce comics. And they were little one or one or two page or sometimes one or two panel little comic strips. And they were really funny. And this one that he did with Bendis was just a bunch of weird spoofs on big Marvel events that had happened before. This was when they had put out the, they had brought back the what if comics. The what if comics were real big in the late eighties and early nineties of you know what if what if craven the hunter had actually killed spider-man and what would the world be like and they would just tell these little alternate reality things of what it could have been what could have happened had the hero not won or had a certain thing not gone a certain way and mafud and bendis did this book of what if the black panther was white and shit like that and it was awesome and really funny and really smart and they did a, a parody of of uh the infinite crisis i think is the one where dr light killed uh the elongated man's wife i think that was the big one i don't know the one that brad Meltzer did for dc comics it was so dark and dr light ended up being a rapist in the story and it was just like holy shit that's out of left yeah, field like that is actually our uh, lovely friends at Comic Book Fans United, the Between Two Beards podcast, uh, mentioned that a little bit, and I think that was their their cover for yeah. the the episode. Yeah, that's yeah that that one that that storyline that DC ran with, uh, Marvel spoofed it in this Waha book with uh you know somebody killed the thing's great aunt Petunia, and they're like and that had a bunch of the Jim Mafood stuff in there because they're telling this like really ridiculous and dark and serious thing. And then Mafu drew like a little arrow to a taco that was laying on the ground and, you know, put like suspicious taco with a question mark next to it. This is fucking really weird and silly shit. Marvel's really good at, at not taking themselves too seriously, even during these really big, heavy, serious events that they have going on. So that's what I got for this week. Absolutely pick up Howard the Human. You will love it. Uh, and if you don't, you just don't like comic books, I think is really what it comes down to. Spider-Verse, if you can get past the artwork, or maybe even uh, you might love the artwork. Maybe it's just me. But really good book. And Secret Wars Journal, if you're really liking the Secret Wars stuff, these are two really good stories. But it is certainly not something that I would say is necessary to understand what is going on. Agreed, man. Yeah, it's 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 a just good old fun. Yeah, good stuff. So. Before we get out of here, I'm going to turn it over to the announcer guy, and he's going to tell you where you can find us on social media. So, announcer guy, take it away. 
Thank you, Dan. Attention listeners, did you know the Geek Aid crew are real people you can get in touch with? Did you also know you can keep track of what comes out on the fabulous Geek Aid website without even visiting it? Did you know that Dean irons his vest every hour on the hour to be prepared for anything? Wait, really? Well, you can keep in touch with Geek Aid by following them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, and more. If that's not enough, you can also send them an email at mail at geekaid.com. Be sure to check out the show notes to get all the links and more information on today's episode. Back to you, Dan. All right, so that's going to do it for us for this week. Next week, we've got some more Secret Wars stuff coming out. We've got no more Mega Man, no more Sonic crossovers, so Dean's very happy about that. You're damn right. And maybe Evan will be back from his herpet crabs. Herpet crabs are pretty or dangerous, man. They might have killed him by next week. We'll, we'll it's see. It's very possible. They keep evolving, man. I don't know what's going to happen. So, on that note, for Dean DeFalco... For Evan Goldstein and his Herper Crabs, and for Dan Ryan, I'm Dan Ryan.